Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Today's program is brought to you by the support of my Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net who chose this series. Well, now it is time for us to wrap up the Men of a Thousand Voices series with an episode of Studio X. And the title on this one is The Mutiny. The night was black as the tall-masted sailing ship bowled along after a fair wind, heading for New York with a cargo of hemp from Manila. Captain Davis was sleeping peacefully in his quarters forward when suddenly... The master sat up, then jumped from his berth to investigate. Captain Davis! Captain Davis! As the skipper flung open the cabin door, the second mate, streaming with blood, stumbled down the ladder and fell on the cabin floor. Dead. And that's the dramatic opening to another story from Studio X, starring America's most versatile actor, Mr. Paul Freese, who will return after a few profitable moments with your announcer. your star of Studio X, Mr. Paul Fries. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Studio X and our presentation of Mutiny. <laughs> Captain Davis looked down at his second mate with horror. What had happened? No thought of mutiny entered his mind as he hurried up the ladder to deck, but no sooner had he reached the top of the companionway when he was struck on the head from behind. For a second, while he was still conscious, he recognized one of the two Indian coolies. And then darkness as he pitched back into his cabin. When Captain Davis opened his eyes, it was light, and the cabin boy was kneeling beside him, trembling with fear. 
The captain touched his head, pained sharply. The cabin seemed to spin around beneath him. He reached out a hand. Boy. Boy, well, what's happened? I don't know, Skipper. Mutiny, maybe. The captain's eyes searched the room. On the floor was the body of Nicholson, the second mate. In the corner, breathing heavily, was Bill O'Connor. The captain shook his head. Bill, you here? Who's at the wheel? I don't know, Captain. Them, maybe them forward. It's mutiny. Then suddenly the captain's face went white. The men whose quarters were in the forward hold. They had seemed sullen lately. They were a strange lot, most of them. His crew, these two Indian coolies, for example. Yes, he'd seen one of them. One of them had struck him. Those two devils. And all the rest of the mutinous dogs. The captain breathed heavily for a moment, then tried to rise. Well, well, what are we sitting here for? Can't we do something? I'm master of this ship. Bill O'Connor shrugged and the cabin boy shook his head in fear. Bill pointed to the skylight. The shadow of the figure of one of the coolies fell across the yellowed glass. You see, Captain, we're pinned down here. Trapped, you might say. Unless we want to be dead like poor Nicholson here who's come to anchor for the last time. I'll go up. I wouldn't if I were you, Captain. See, before I managed to crawl in here, I had a knife just a pleasant fraction of an inch from my throat. And the next time they hit you, it might be for keeps. They uh, seem to mean business, Skipper. The captain managed to squirm out of his bunk painfully, slowly. Good Lord, it is mutiny. I never knew this could happen on one of Rafe Davis's ships. <laughs> My gun! Fumbling, he reached into his drawer. Let me see. Four rounds. No more. Uh, we'll have to make every shot count. Boy, what about provisions? Water? I... I know, Captain. I know. We, we, we got one tin of beef, just one, and this... Basin full of water I brought him to wash you with. That, that's all, sir. The captain sank down on his bunk and rubbed his aching head. Oh, how many of them are there back there? Fourteen, counting the two collies. That's no match for a mere boy here, you wounded skipper and me. Who's at the bottom of all this? Oh, you got me, skipper. They didn't figure me into their plans. <laughs> they stood a cautious course. Yes. I know who it is. It's Donovan. Ralph Donovan. That hot-headed, red-haired devil. Now, hold on, Captain. Ralph's my friend. We shipped together since we were cabin boys like young Mike here. Ralph's as reliable as time and tide, and no man, not even you, Skipper's gonna say he's a blasted mutiny. All right. Where is he, then? He's not here with us. He's there with them. Them as has us trapped here. <laughs> hours they stayed there, not daring to go up, sitting, listening to their hearts beat. They opened the single can of beef and apportioned out little bits. They each took a small cupful of water from the wash basin. It tasted soapy and almost made them ill. It was torture staying there in the cabin. Their nerves were taut and they almost screamed with impatience. Nothing happened, nothing but the short shadows of the two natives falling over the skylight at regular intervals. And that was all. The captain ran his fingers through his hair. Well, we've got to do something. 
Captain, isn't there any way we can trick them? Yes, that's the only way. Or before long, they'll come after us and slaughter us in cold blood. Come on, to work, all of us. First, we got to find out what's on deck. Bill, can you lift Michael here on your shoulders and maybe he can see through the skylight? Aye, sir, we'll try that. Little good it'll do. All right, now, Michael, careful. <clears throat> Let's get over in this far corner. You can just ease up to the skylight. Yeah, we don't want your head to come tumbling off. Aye, sir. All right, come on. Up you go. Yep. All right, get a foothold in my hands here, and I'll swing you around onto my shoulders. All right. Yeah. Careful now. Yeah. There we are. All right, steady, lad. What? What do you see, lad? Huh? Oh, I see it. Quick, Bill. Let me down. The dirty dogs. Are you all right, lad? Huh? Yes. Yes, Captain. I'm pretty ship-shape, I guess. Whew, that was close. Look at the knife there, embedded. I could hear it was right by my ear. Yeah. Thank heaven you're all right, boy. Did you see anything? Yes, sir. I saw those two, two coolies. Their faces like madmen, sir. Did you see any of the others? Did you see Ralph Donovan? Captain, I say, steer clear of Donovan. Ralph isn't in on this. I'll stake my life to that. I'm asking the boy a question. Did you see anyone else, Michael? No, sir. The deck seemed cleared except for those two. Cleared? We probably have those two devils on deck to stand watch while they figure out the pretty plots down in the hold. Aye, maybe that's our chance. We get the two devils on board, we might slam the hatch down on the hold and trap them down there. Yes, but who's going to do it? And how are we going to do it? I don't know. Maybe we can distract them at the skylight here while one of us runs out. It's suicide. I'll go, Captain. You and Michael here will have to do the distracting. Thank you, Bill. You're a brave lad. I'm sorry I said anything about your friend. That's all right, Captain. We're in a spot. The one is apt to say most anything. All right, Michael. Now, lad, you take the gun. I'll hoist you up and... You try to get one of the devils before he gets you. Meanwhile, make a dash for that hatch cover, Bill. And good luck to you, lad. Bill watched at the top of the ladder as the captain painfully hoisted the trembling boy to his shoulders. The boy carefully aimed the pistol and fired. At the sound of the gun, Bill hurried out onto deck. The boy had killed one of the natives. The other was crouched over the skylight with a knife tied around a long pole, prepared to shove it down into the cabin. He turned quickly as he saw Bill. He aimed the stick at Bill, but the strong sailor flew at the native's feet. Bill grabbed the long pole and threw it overboard. Then his fingers closed around the neck of the surprised coolie. Sahib, mercy, mercy, Sahib, mercy, mercy, you devil, mercy. Man's struggling body relaxed under his grip. Bill turned toward the cabin, kept crouched and out of sight. He silently opened the cabin door. Quick, Captain. Toss me that gun. I might need it. Right, Bill. Good luck. Bill crawled along the deck. It was deserted. There was nobody at the wheel. As he approached the hatch that led to the hold, he stopped. Crouched behind a bulkhead across the ship was another man with a gun poised. Then the other man spoke. I got a gun sight on you. Don't move or you're done. 
recognize the voice. It was Ralph. Ralph Donovan. Donovan, you mutinous dog, and I wept tears for you. I defended you, saying you you wouldn't dare to stand up against our captain. Don't move a step. I know your game. And I thought you were my friend. But instead, you imprisoned us all below hatch. You and that captain. Ralph, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Nicholson's dead and you dogged him, killed him. We killed him? We were asleep in our bunks. But the mutiny. Where's the mutiny? Mutiny? Now I see it. Bill. Bill, come on out. Ralph, you're not trying to kill us all. No, Bill. It was those two. They went crazy, those two natives. They knew that if we were to split up, they'd have us, and they did almost. Two natives were your mutiny, and neither side of us separated realized it, or dared to come out. And so ends another story from Studio X, starring your one-man theater, Paul Fries, who portrays all of the parts. Mr. Freeze will return in just a moment after a few words from your announcer. Mutiny, written by Jerome Lawrence, was produced by Sam Kerner with music composed and played by Rami Idris. Special effects were by Fred Cole. Your announcer was Shepard Mencken. Won't you join us again at Studio X when we present another exciting story for your entertainment? This is Paul Fries saying goodbye. Until next, we meet.
Welcome back. I think that might be the episode where Freeze did the most voices of any of the ones we played. It was an enjoyable story with a twist, with the mutineers having separated the loyal crew from each other, so... They were assuming the worst. So, nice little twist and a solid end for the Men of a Thousand Voices series. I did enjoy these. There were some really unique stories and it was great to hear both Frank Graham and Paul Freeze uh, really be able to show off their versatility. Well, listener comments and feedback now. And I have a comment on... Uh, from YouTube regarding our 200th episode. Uh, and uh, the, the listener writes, I like how the story is read like a mystery story from a book. That's probably why I enjoyed X-1, uh, because they intertwine uh, the story with the dramatic sequences. Well, thanks so much for the comment. And of course, with X-1, uh, I believe those were actually from... Uh, magazine short stories uh, from, I think, Galaxy. And in many ways, the stories that got featured on these series were written uh, the same way. In fact, if you remember on Yarns for Yanks, Frank Graham even said that these were written to be like the stories that servicemen enjoyed reading in magazines back home. And there's definitely been a decline in the uh, short story magazine since then. Uh, they're still around. You can still find Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine and Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine and then a lot of obscure journals. The short story is a, a great art form that's not nearly as appreciated as I think it deserves in our modern world. Yeah, that, that I think definitely can be an appeal of this, as it's bringing you something that, that's not as ubiquitous as it was back then. Thanks for the comment, and that will actually uh, conclude this series. We will return next week, though. Larry Storch passed away on July 8th at the age of 99, and we will be uh, playing an old-time radio program in which he appeared. I also want to acknowledge the passing of a radio actor who didn't appear during the Golden Age, but has done a lot of work in audio, and of course that's David Warner. David Warner is well known for so many things, particularly his work on film with uh, The Omen, Time Bandits, uh, The Titanic, but he did a ton of work uh, on radio. Uh, Big Finish has been where he's done the majority of his work recently, the British uh, company that is best known for making Doctor Who spinoffs. But his work goes back even further than that, with uh, some stuff on BBC Radio 4, but also in America for the California Artist Radio Theatre, the company that was founded by a radio acting uh, legend, Peggy Weber. So I uh, do want to salute David Warner, an incredible amount of uh, radio work, and his voice will definitely be missed. 
Well, that will do it for this week. Uh, join us back here next week as we uh, wrap up the summer with a special episode to honor the late, great Larry Storch. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.